bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December 19th, 2017. Well, it's been years in the making, but it certainly appears that we're finally at the point where tax reform is about to be enacted. For years now, we've been discussing, analyzing, and assessing the likelihood of tax reform as well as its potential consequences. Now, we're nearing the point where we start consulting and advising clients on the implementation of tax reform. If you're not already a client, there is no better time than now to become one. And in Washington, D.C., as if the passage of tax reform wasn't enough, lawmakers still must focus on keeping the federal government funded past this Friday, as well as they need to assess their ability and their willingness to consider a tax extenders bill. That's right, a tax extenders bill is under consideration. That's in a post-tax reform environment. With all of that said, if you're ready, let's get started. As we have shared via Twitter and breaking news emails, as well as the mainstream media is covering it as well, so this isn't quite a news flash, but last week, the House and Senate Republicans did reach a landmark agreement on tax reform legislation. Conferees signed a conference report last Friday sending the 503-page bill to each chamber for consideration. I'll first talk about what's in the final tax bill, and then I'll talk about the plan to get the legislation to the President's desk for his approval. Let's start with the low-income housing tax credit. The good news is that the following would be retained. Volume cap low-income housing tax credits, the tax exemption for productivity bonds, as well as the 4% productivity bond low-income housing tax credit. Now, the House bill had proposed repealing productivity bonds, and House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady had been advocating for reforms to productivity bonds, even if they were preserved. And he did that up until the end of negotiations. So the fact that productivity bonds were retained in the final bill without any limitations was a huge relief to the affordable housing community. As you may know, tax-exempt productivity bonds help finance more than half of affordable housing nationwide. Their loss would have been catastrophic for affordable housing. So that's the good news. Now for the bad news on low-income housing tax credits. Most notably, the top corporate tax rate would be cut from 35% to 21%. And that change would be effective January 1, 2018. 13 days from now, as proposed in the original House bill. You may also remember the Senate bill had proposed delaying implementing the lower corporate tax rate until the year 2019. And as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, a lower corporate tax rate reduces the amount of equity that can be raised through the low-income housing tax credit, which in turn reduces the amount of affordable housing that can be developed and preserved every year. Now, another change that would be detrimental to affordable housing is the replacement of the Consumer Price Index for all consumers, or the CPIU inflation factor, 
with a chained CPI. A chained CPI would reduce future 9% long-term zinc tax credit allocations as well as the volume cap for tax-exempt private duty bonds, albeit the effect here isn't nearly as significant as the effect of the lower corporate tax rate. One provision that you've heard a lot about, probably, during the past few weeks, and more notably maybe the past few days, is the base erosion and anti-abuse tax, or the BEAT, B-E-A-T. BEAT was included in the Senate bill and did make its way into the conference report. BEAT essentially poses an alternative minimum tax of sorts on foreign-owned corporations or U.S. corporations with significant foreign operations. And the BEAT would likely or will likely prevent several significant corporate investors from receiving a tax benefit from all or even a portion of tax credits, such as a long investing tax credit, new markets tax credit, historic tax credit, and renewable energy tax credits. Now, depending on the type of taxpayer, the tax rate for the BEAT is 5 or 6% in 2018, kind of a transition year, that rises to a 10 or 11% rate from 2019 through 2025, and then after that, 125 to 13.5% thereafter. Now, the BEAT is a complex calculation where you essentially take your regular taxable income and add back various foreign payments and then apply the tax rate on top of that basically a higher taxable income amount than used for regular tax purposes, but a lower rate. Now, if you're investing in low income tax credits or renewable energy tax credits, between now and 2025, you're at risk of losing up to 20% of the benefit of your tax credits because of the beat. Up to 20% of your credits are at risk. And after 2025, 100% of your tax credits are at risk. For other tax credits, like historic tax credits and new markets tax credits, you're at risk, as an investor subject to be, at risk of losing up to 100% of the benefit of your tax credits. I don't want to go into more detail in beat. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of analysis there. I would encourage you to just read the law to get more details. But with that, let's leave the beat and let's get back to specific tax credit programs and how they're treated under tax reform. Under the conference agreement, the new markets tax credit is retained through the 2019 allocation round. So there's no change there. However, the new market tax credit is at risk if you're subject to the beat because you could lose some of the benefit. Turning to the historic tax credit, the 20% historic tax credit would be retained under the conference report, but it would be claimed over five years subject to certain transition rules. The historic tax credit is currently taken at place and service date, but it would be claimed over five years. Now, like new markets, historic tax credit could not offset your beat liability, so you're at risk of losing some of your benefits or all of your benefits if you're subject to beat. Now, unfortunately, the 10% non-historic rehabilitation credit would be repealed after 2017, subject to transition rules as well. Now, turning to renewable energy tax credits, the tax bill would make no changes to the current status of the tax credits. So the current scheduled phase down of the 30% investment tax credit after 2019 is not changed. Furthermore, the 10% investment tax credit would be retained. The investment tax credit for so-called orphan renewable energy technologies would remain expired. And the bill also retained the scheduled phase down of the production tax credit. The bill also retains the production tax credit's continuous construction requirement without any harmful changes for developments completed by 2020. Furthermore, 
and maybe the, one of the real positives out of the tax reform bill, it would create a new incentive to invest in capital gains in low-income communities. It's outlined in the Investing Opportunity Act, and we do have a working group that's working on that area. So if you're interested in learning more about the Investing Opportunity Act, ways to invest capital gains and defer the gain for up to 10 years, please reach out to us. Now, looking at the alternative minimum tax, AMT would be repealed for corporations under the tax bill. However, for individuals, there's no repeal, but there is an increased AMT exemption and a wider phase-out threshold. I should note the individual provision only goes through December 31, 2025. As with many of the individual provisions, they expire after the year 2025 in order to deal with certain Senate rules, though many expect this future soon-to-be-enacted fiscal cliff will be something that as we get closer to that date, they'll need to be extended. Now, I should note, with respect to the alternative minimum tax, that long-term tax credits, historic tax credits, and renewable energy tax credits can be taken against AMT liability. But the new market tax credits and the last five years of renewable energy production tax credits cannot. Also, thinking about individuals, there is a new 20% deduction for pass-through companies. Very complex calculation. Contact your Novograd professional for details on how it affects you. There's also a $750,000 cap for mortgage interest deductions on new mortgages and a $10,000 limit on state and local income tax deductions. And the state and local income tax deduction limit for individuals will be significant and have impact on state tax credit markets. So, brief recap. The legislation maintains current law for most of the tax credit programs I mentioned, with the exception of the proposed repeal of the 10% credit for non-historic rehabilitation and claiming the historic tax credit at 20% rate, but over five years. However, changes to the corporate tax rate, as well as changes to how, when, and who could claim those credits could make a big difference in how much private capital would be invested through these programs. Now, we posted the bill text, policy highlights, and a chart showing the provisions on our Novogratic Tax Reform Resource Center. That's a one-stop shop for tax reform information. If you want to access our Novogratic Tax Reform Resource Center, simply go to www.taxreformresourcecenter.com. Now, what are the next steps? Well, by the time you're listening to this, some of these may have already have happened. The conference bill has to be passed by the House and the Senate, and the House is expected to vote on the bill today with the Senate to follow. The Senate does have a 10-hour debate rule, so once that starts in the Senate, it'll be more than 10 hours, just over 10 hours later, that they can actually vote. Now, Republicans only hold a two-seat majority in the Senate, which means they can only afford to lose two Republican votes if all Democrats oppose legislation, which is certainly expected. Heading into the final stretch of negotiations last week, it was uncertain whether Senate Republicans would have enough support to pass a tax bill on a party-line vote. Two Republican senators, most notably, voiced their reservations about the conference committee bill before it was finalized. One was Senator Bob Corker of Tennessee. He's not seeking re-election next year, by the way. Senator Corker was the only Republican to oppose the initial version of the Senate bill. He said then that the tax bill increased the budget deficit too much. Senator Corker, though, said Wednesday of last week that he still had the same budget deficit concerns with the conference version of the bill. But then on Friday, Senator Corker announced that he would vote yes on the tax bill. 
the other Republican senator in question was Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. He announced, somewhat unexpectedly on Thursday, he would not support the tax bill unless the refundable portion of the child tax credit was increased. Rubio's demands were met in the final bill in part, and he did agree to vote yes. There is one other factor that remains in question. It's whether Republican Senators John McCain and Thad Cochran will be on site to vote this week. Senator McCain was hospitalized last week for what his office described as normal side effects of his ongoing cancer therapy. His office later announced he plans to return to Arizona and therefore may not be available to vote. Now, Senator Cochran, likewise, missed votes last week due to an outpatient procedure. Senator Cochran's office told CNN that the senator was doing well and was available for votes if needed. Vice President Mike Pence, by the way, last week delayed, or said he would delay, and has delayed, a planned Christmas trip to Jerusalem so that he'll be around if he's needed to, vote, to break a tie vote in the Senate. Now, we do expect the conference report and final tax reform bill to pass Congress this week, potentially, like I mentioned, the House today, Senate, maybe tomorrow or later today. I'll keep you posted on the latest tax reform news. Simply follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. And if you have questions for me on the tax bill, please just send them to at Novogratik, and I'll reply when I can. You can also subscribe to our free industry alert emails at www.novaco.com. We have, a, we have a webinar later this week on Thursday, which I'll tell you more about uh, later in the podcast, but it's something you should definitely think about registering for. I'd also encourage you to visit my Notes from Novogratic blog, where we'll continue to post updates and analysis on the tax bill, its progress, and what the tax bill means for the communities in which you work. The blog is at www.novico.com slash blog. Let's move away from tax reform for a moment and look at other news. The Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard University released its annual rental housing report last week. The Harvard report said that there was a slowdown in the growth of renter households in 2016, but there continues to be an affordability gap for low-income renters. The report warned about the number of low-income housing tax credit and other subsidized apartments that will reach the end of their required or mandated affordability periods in the next decade. You can find the report, which is entitled America's Rental Housing 2017 at www.jchs.harvard.edu. Also last week, HUD announced it would receive comments on its suspension of small area fair market rent designations for certain metropolitan areas. Two years ago, you may recall, HUD suspended a regulation that public housing agencies use small area FMRs. They weren't going to be required to use small area FMRs. That suspension affected nearly all of the metropolitan areas that were scheduled to be subject to the requirement, subject to certain exceptions. You can read the full announcement about the comments at www.hudresourcecenter.com. And meanwhile, the City of Five Fund said last week that 120 organizations submitted applications requesting a total of $540 million from the Capital Magnet Fund program this year. There is $119.5 million available, and the awards are expected to be announced early in 2018. And finally, a bill introduced in the Missouri House of Representatives would place a sunset on state tax credits, 47 different state tax credits to be exact. 
The State Housing Authority recently voted against funding for the Missouri State Low Income Housing Tax Credit. Now, this legislation would require the legislature to vote to extend each program. The bill scope does include the State Low Income Housing Tax Credit, as well as the Historic Preservation Tax Credit and several job creation credits. As always, we'll keep you posted on various bills, including Missouri HB 1238, during the 2018 legislative session. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. As I foreshadowed earlier, I do encourage you to register for our upcoming Novogratz Tax Cuts and Jobs Act webinar. The webinar is subtitled, What the Tax Credit Community Needs to Know. The webinar is this Thursday, December 21st, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific Time, 1 o'clock p.m. East Coast Time. My partner, Nicola Pinoli, from our Portland office will join me in leading the webinar, along with Forrest Milder and Rick Goldstein, both of Nixon Peabody. During the webinar, you can learn how tax reform will be affecting future transactions as we walk through specific provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. To register, go to www.novaco.com webinars. Once again, that's this Thursday, December 21st at 10 o'clock Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And in closing, I want to note this is the last podcast of 2017. We'll take a break next week and be back on January 2nd. Please enjoy the holidays, and I want to wish you Happy New Year. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratz. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratz and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratz and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.